But we're in John 13, and uh, it is the darkness of betrayal. You know, betrayal makes for good literature. Judas betrayed Jesus with clean feet. That's a pretty good sentence in the page-turning book of John. But as good of a sentence as that it is, it is equally painful in real life. Yes, it makes for great movies, but it is difficult to walk through this. So difficult that Jesus actually says of Judas, it would have been better for him not to be born. You know, you live long enough and you will experience that sinking sensation that comes from being hurt by those that we have trusted. Spouses, friends, even churches, missions, missionaries wound. Seems like wherever you look, life provides you countless moments for disillusionment. Your stomach's in knots, your fists are clenched, your heart is pounding, your eyes are tear-stained, and it seems that the wicked schemes of man can cause us to doubt God's plan. Where is he? Does he exist? Does he care? What's he doing? I don't know what questions you have as you think about the dark nights of your soul this morning, but Christ is going to lovingly call us out of fear, lovingly call us out of distrust when it seems that darkness is going to win. When it seems that darkness is about to overtake your lives, he calls us out of fear, he calls us into confidence, and he does that by telling us of his own betrayal. He tells us of his own betrayal. John records it for us so that we can be confident with this aim this morning. The darkness of betrayal will display the brilliance of God's glory. The darkness of betrayal will display the brilliance of God's glory. Think about going to a jeweler as they put that diamond with all of its magnificent against the black backdrop of felt or satin or what is it? Velvet. Velvet. <laughs> Can I buy a fabric? <laughs> Looking at my sweater, can you change fabric? Yeah, <laughs> all right, uh, whatever it might be, but we know how, uh, yeah, that works. And so this morning we're gonna navigate the road ahead of us to see that the darkness of betrayal will display the brilliance of God's glory. We'll do that in two ways, two signs really. The first point we're gonna see is that the betrayal will not deter the saving plan of God. We all need to walk away this morning knowing that the darkness of betrayal will not deter the saving plan of God. And then second, betrayal will not deter the sacrificial love of God. I was going to try to do both of those in one sermon. And in praying about it and just thinking about how two different audiences probably need both of those messages, we're just going to slow this down. We're going to cover this in two weeks because it is hard to have confidence in the darkness of betrayal. It is hard to work into our soul that even this darkness of betrayal will display the brilliance of God's glory for our good. And so this week we're really going to deal with the first part so that we can have confidence to bear up, confidence that would strengthen us this morning to know that God's plan cannot be derailed. 
to know that he does not waste anything. That our God can use the wicked brush of betrayal to still paint a holy masterpiece. Next week, we're going to walk away with understanding that God's love cannot be withheld even in the midst of betrayal as he washes Judas' feet, he offers him a chief seat of honor, he feeds him first, not to expose him and shatter him, but just to maybe see if he'd still repent with kindness and love. Man, if our sins are as mountains, we're going to see next week that his love will be like a Noah's flood. He's going to love Judas to the end of his unloveliness. And knowing that God can work through betrayal for our good will secure you in the ups and downs of life. So this morning, we're only going to focus on one point, that betrayal will not deter the saving plan of God. Betrayal will not deter the saving plan of God. We're going to see that in two ways. Jesus predicted his betrayal, and he permitted his betrayal. But first, Jesus predicted his betrayal. He foretold his own fate. We see an anticipation of the story. We've already heard of Judas twice in this chapter. In John 13, 2, we read, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. We hear about him there. We hear about him in verse 11. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. And so for the third time in this chapter, John isolates this one individual who will not be counted among Christ's disciples. And even though it's John's third time of mentioning Judas, it is the first time that Jesus verbally mentions Judas. That there is a betrayer in their midst. Up until now, it's just been passing comments. But this time from Jesus' own lips that there would be one who will not experience the blessing of verse 17. There, are, there is at least one exception. Listen to verses 17 and 18. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. There are exceptions. Who the exception is at this point is unnamed, but you know who he's talking about. Jesus now begins to predict his betrayal as he next quotes from Psalms 41, verse 9. Look at the rest of verse 18. But the scripture will be fulfilled at Psalms 41, 9. He who ate bread has lifted his heel against me. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. This is a psalm of David. David is no stranger to betrayal. I can't count the number of times that David was betrayed. He's betrayed on multiple occasions. And David pictures betrayal as someone who is eating your food but is raising his hoof ready to strike. That's the picture of betrayal. And Jesus predicts it using those words. And he does so for this purpose. Look at verse 19. I am telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Wow, even this feels like it fits with John's overall point, right? I'm writing these things to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. And Christ says, 
I'm going to tell you about my betrayal before it happens to bolster the faith of my disciples so that you will still believe that I am who I said I am. That God's plans are not derailed through this betrayal. That yes, God is predicting this is going to happen and God is ready to take the wicked brush of betrayal and paint a holy masterpiece. The disciples need to know this ahead of time because they are about ready to go into some tremendous testing. For three years, they have walked with Jesus. For three years, they have fashioned their identity around Jesus. For three years, they have had the hope that Jesus would restore the glory of Israel. And they're going to live through one weekend that is going to dismantle all of that. The days ahead of them are dark. It was night. We know this. They do not And in anticipation of what's going to happen, Jesus tells them how it's going to unfold so that when the time comes, they may believe. When the time comes that they would recall that Jesus is the only one who knew. That when the time comes that they're going to recall who is this God who can declare the end from the beginning. They're going to say, only God Only God, only God can withstand the attacks of the enemy. Only God can have his plans never be thwarted. Even when the mission is being submarined from the inside and there is a mole within the ranks, Jesus is telling the 11, hey guys, listen up. The inclusion of Judas is not a divine oversight or mistake. It is not like Jesus is a really good HR manager and he got 11 out of 12 right in the hiring process. Jesus is not a 92% test taker. He needed to tell them this was part of God's plan so that they would be assured, they would be strengthened. I'll take the cue. I'm not going to (laughs) dance. All of God's people said. (laughs) Oh, man. He lets them know this. This whole chapter, I mean, I want to get into next week's sermon, but he lets them know this because of his love for them. This whole chapter, because he loves them to the end, he tells them from the beginning what's going to happen. Because he wants their faith to be strengthened, not to be demolished. Be confident that God is working to preserve your faith, faith family. If he could do it for the 11, he is certainly able to do it for us. He knows what would bear down on you. He knows what would be tempting for you to give up. And so he gives you words, his words to bolster you when the day comes. Jesus is giving you a word of purpose for your upkeep. And faith family, our faith is bolstered in the same way. The words of Christ are preserving words that we need in the midst of battle. It is a challenging time. To know where to look for for truth. Well, we come back here every week saying, show us Christ. We want to hear the word of God. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. Because we're coming back and we're saying, I know that there's only one true king. That when he speaks, I listen to him. And he makes sense of all of this. And it assures me. And it sustains me by his word. We don't live by bread alone. 
by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And there are enough promises in this book to hold you. John 14, 1 through 2, just flip the page. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? It's a promise. And there's enough glimpses of the future to preserve you. 14 verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Man, promises to hold us. Glimpses of the future to sustain us. And in the same way, Jesus gives us word, just like he gave the word to the disciples, he's given us a word for our well-being. They needed to know that he was going to be betrayed. They needed to know this so they would not lose their faith, but increase their faith, even in the dark nights of the soul, in God's certain plan, that Jesus is who he established himself to be. The betrayal was predicted by Jesus. Jesus knew what Judas was up to, and it was fulfilling the plan of God. Faith family, if you need comfort that Jesus is not just being swept along by events, John now provides us more help in verses 21 through 30. But we're just going to look at verse 21. Again, I'm sorry we're not going to cover every verse this morning. We're coming back to it next week. 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now don't think Christ has given up here. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not only predicted his betrayal, point two, Jesus is about ready to permit his betrayal. Even as he is being betrayed, Jesus is never more in control. For when he speaks, what does he say? Look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus answered him, It is to him to whom I give the morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Why did Jesus tell him to go do it quickly? I think my number one answer is because Jesus is still in control and he's ordering Judas to still do it. Jesus initiates the next phase of the mission. He is in complete control of his faith. Nothing's going to happen prematurely. Nothing's going to happen unexpectedly. No, this whole thing happens accordingly because Jesus told us in John 10, no one takes my life, right? I lay it down of my own accord. And you know what? I can take it back up of my own accord. Jesus stands out in this narrative in control even as he goes to his death. Yes, at one level, he is like a lamb led to a slaughter. He is a victim, but this is a victim who is in control, moving powerfully, moving purposefully to the mission that he planned with the Father before the foundations of the world. This is God's sovereignty in action. So my suffering, weary sojourners, at this point, the sovereignty of God has a face on it, a personal face. Do you have eyes to see? Do you see that he uses his authority? He uses his power for us. 
Instinctively, we use power and authority to get what we want. You give us power and authority, we tend to think and act selfishly, but not Jesus. The most powerful expression of selfless, determined, selflessness determined the world has ever seen or will see is here. He uses his authority. He exercises his control. He determines his destiny for your sake and mine. Shouldn't that make us marvel at him? When you can't understand the details that God is working out in your life, you feel that you are fraught with danger on every side, you are encumbered by fear, be confident that Jesus controls the history of the world and he did so to walk to his own death for you. So when we're tempted to ask why God, he uses his power and his authority not for himself. Because he could have bypassed the cross if he wanted to. He could have called down legions of angels to deliver him. But for people like us, he orchestrated all of those dark, wicked brushes of betrayal to paint this masterpiece of God's glory. O faith family, do not take this Savior for granted who uses power and authority, the scariest things we have, and Americans who fiercely love our independence, he uses it and lays it aside to be betrayed so he could be crucified, so he could die in your place. Here is a man with authority and power to be proud of. Here is a man with power and authority we can count on. He is just brimming over in selfless love that he permits his betrayal for us. Have you ever thought about that? Come behold him. The wondrous mystery. Christ the Lord upon the cross. Jesus uses his authority to orchestrate his betrayal for our good. Surely we can be confident in our trust as he orchestrates the events of our lives. In the cross, we find confidence this morning to trust the sovereignty of God because at the cross, the greatest evil the world has ever known was enacted to the delight of the damned. The fellowship of hell rejoiced to see him crucified. But God, God can use this wicked brush to paint a beautiful picture. Think about it this way. Judas, in his betrayal, with all of its evil, plots Jesus' death. And yet, at the same time, Judas is carrying out God's plot with all of its goodness. Judas plots the betrayal of Jesus in all of its evil. And while he is doing that, he is actually carrying out God's plot with all of its good to redeem all of us who have betrayed God. Wow. Application for my non-Christian friends and application for our faith family in closing. Those exploring Christianity, when you look at the cross, what do you see? A tragedy 
or a triumph? Did Judas outwit Jesus? Or is Judas just an outworking of God's plan? How you view the cross this morning, you that are exploring Christianity, will determine whether it is of any benefit for you. If it is a mere human betrayal, an act of mob violence, political injustice, then all we have is pity for Jesus who was outwitted. He is a victim, not a victor, and it does nothing for you. But if you look at the cross as not a tragedy, but as a triumph, if you look at it from God's perspective, you will see that he doesn't just get through this in spite of darkness, but God actually appointed the use of darkness to accomplish his great end, the brilliance of his glory. Has everyone loved such as this? Only Jesus can destroy darkness by being enveloped in darkness. Only Jesus can abolish death by being swallowed up in death. Only Jesus can bind Satan by going into his house and tying him up and all of his servants and releasing us as captives. Jesus knew the hour has come. He predicted it. He permitted it. But faith family, he defeated it. His hour of darkness only lasted till Sunday. The light that has come into the world, the darkness has tried, but has not been able to overcome it. Jesus dispelled the darkness. He nullified the works of hell. He accomplished God's plan. Our sins have been paid for. The wrath of God's been satisfied. There is now therefore no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. He has secured a bride. He has clothed her in his righteous robe. Consider you, my non-Christian friend, to look at the cross and see if it will be of any benefit to you. See it as a triumph, not a tragedy. Faith family, for you in closing, the cross reminds us that when you are in the darkest hours of your soul and it seems that darkness is winning, do not be shaken. When your life feels like Job and you are struggling to trust God, do not be shaken. Fear nothing but sin. God's plan has not been derailed. His grace has not been overturned. In the cross, God took the worst thing ever and made it the best thing that ever happened for sinful man. This is the way to secure you in the ups and downs of life. So I'm on the silence, and I'm going to ask the praise team just to sing whatever my God ordains is right. Can we just close with that one? Thanks. Thanks.